0: the last week off and we was able to get away and do some camping and and I'll be honest I hadn't done a whole lot this last week outside of read and relax and I'm thankful for it and one of my reads that I've been reading this this week is going to be is the inspiration for where we're going to be going over the next um, little bit so there's one verse of scripture thank you for standing we'll read it and it is simply Exodus 34:28. it is behind me and he was there with the Lord speaking of of uh, Moses he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights he did neither eat bread nor drink water and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant the ten commandments amen you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Um, every, every strong house needs to have a strong foundation. And he knows that. Definitely need a strong foundation. And as a child of God, there there is a foundation that we can and we should build upon in um, that at its simplest form would be the Ten Commandments. Now we have this book Genesis to Revelations. it's a lot of a lot of words, a lot of stuff we don't understand, a lot of stuff we do understand some's easy to understand and some's not easy to understand. Some requires us digging into it and searching, but there are the foundation of what this book is from Genesis to Revelation is the revelation of God um, revealing himself to us and primarily and mainly in Jesus that's what Genesis to Revelation is and the base foundation of this book in its simplest form would be the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on the Mount Sinai today we're going to start a journey through these Ten Commandments I have um, taught on the Ten Commandments in times past but we're gonna start a journey through these Ten Commandments and as a man by the name of LJ Harry who resides in Mount Vernon um, Ohio He's the title of a new book that I have been reading this week. It is this book here, and it's called Ten Words. And it is, if you've never heard of Brother L.J. Harry, he's a unique individual. He thinks different. He, um, he's he got a podcast called Simplify that is named after another book that he wrote called Simplify. It's 365 days of... Um, 365 days of um, devotionals. He actually went through that on his podcast. You can search it and find it. It is an excellent podcast. You would thoroughly enjoy it. But I heard him on a podcast and I heard him talking about this book. And I knew that he L.J. Harry is a storyteller. Okay. This is available on Amazon Kindle uh, for his reading if you like to read from a Kindle. It's called Ten Words. L.J. Harry L. J. Harry, but um, he's a unique storyteller. So when I picked this book up this week, I thought, well, I'll read a little bit of it. Actually, I'd, I got near men's or conference. It's called Ten Words. Ten Words. It's called a practical look at the Ten Commandments. I thought, well, I'll read a little bit of it, as long as I got another book I'm reading. I, don't, I hate to get too many books reading, and sometimes I'm bad about that. I'll get three or four books going at one time, and I gotta try to finish it. This one's not gonna be hard to finish. I'm almost done. (laughs) I've not been able to put this book down. This is one of the books I could I could probably set in one setting on one day if I didn't have nothing to do and just read all the way through it. But as I read through it, presenting the Ten Commandments in a very unique and different type of way. And so I'm gonna start walking through this and I'm gonna use this title of his book for the title of our series. And I'm going to be talking about these ten words, and uh, we're going to talk about the first one today, which Jacob has, has got here for us. Um, it's called worship. But I'm going to do a little bit of introduction to this, and I'm going to be re- referencing and using a lot of info from Brother Harry's book. Um, i specifically going to let you know if it's coming from him. I don't. I'm not in the habit of trying to plagiarize or anything like that so if it's coming from him I'm gonna let you know it's coming from him and I will let you know big majority of this is um, inspired and coming from him but um, you ever give thought much to the when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses Um, we don't know every detail but I've thought about that so many times about him being up there The Lord holding him in the clevis of the rock as he passed by. And just thought about how incredible Sister Michelle that time probably was for Moses. Forty days he's up there not eating or drinking supernaturally. The Lord took care of him. But we don't know every detail. But I envision God's voice being loud to Moses as he gave the Ten Commandments. And as I just envision uh, them being etched on the stone. You know, maybe the stone being carved out. I don't know if anybody really knows what dimensions they think these stones were or anything like that. Obviously, they were small enough for Moses to pack because it appears that he packed them down off the mountain. But we don't know all the details. But I just envision God's loud voice, Moses, as he gives these Ten Commandments to him. They are literally called... Uh, a lot. Of, we call them the Ten Commandments, but they are literally some of the translation is that they, they is called the Ten Words. As that's one reason he made this uh, title. Of this book is Ten Words. It is the Decalogue. As in my opening verse here, that that is kind of behind me here again. That for forty days and forty nights he didn't eat bread or drink, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant of the Ten Commandments. He. He wrote them. These Ten Commandments, they're, they're almost like ten words. God spoke to Moses to teach him and all those Jews that followed him how to live. They form a foundation for all of our relationships. These Ten Commandments. The first word, four uh, commandments, words, they detail how we need to treat and how we need to reverence God. The last six commandments... Words tells us in details how we should treat other people and how we should respect each other. Because God is not just interested in us being right with Him, but He also wants us to be right with each other. And He wants us to be right with Him. He wants us to be right already. Because honestly, you can't be right with God if you're not right with mankind. It just doesn't work that way. And um, so these commandments in its, in its simplest forms here are, number one, no other gods before you, no other gods before God, no graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not covet. And God spoke. As God spoke, he wrote. According to Exodus 31, God wrote these ten words on tablets of stone with his own finger. So I envision the finger of God coming out from somewhere out of the cloud. I don't have no idea. just appearing. It would be absolutely incredible. And begin to write and etch in the stone these tablets. And they were written on two tablets. And they were also written on both sides according to Exodus 32 and 15. So we see the replicas of it all the time. But I would envision that in Exodus 20 When you read through the Ten Commandments In its long form I would envision that every bit of that Was probably written on the front and back of that tablet But the bottom line is There no doubt probably was no extra room To add any extra laws Or to um, even wonder did, did God leave anything out? And if Moses in those millions of people who were following him could keep these Ten Commandments, they would be in the right relationship with God and with each other. And that's, that's us. If we could just keep the Ten Commandments, we would be in right relationship with God and with other people. These were laws that they really could not live without. They are laws that we cannot live without. Now, we attempt to in our generation, our time, and always have. But here's the truth of the matter. Um, That's not necessarily true with all laws. There are some laws we can live without. As, no doubt, you've seen the debate this week, as there has been executive orders that's been made, that there is huge debate about. And no matter which side of the fence you own with that, it, it doesn't matter to me. There's laws that's been made that we can live without. And I want to give you a few laws that delight lighten the load here a little bit. Get us laughing. Y'all look sleepy this morning. I'm sleepy, so I'll help us out. A few laws that may be actual ordinances or have been at some time. And as Brother L.J. Harry says, he's got some for his his state. I'm gonna, I'll give you a few of those. And I'll, I'll look for some, period. And then some weird laws for Kentucky. Just search weird laws. I'm telling you, it's very interesting. And some of them could be urban legends, but... They're very interesting. So, in Ohio, it has been said that it's illegal to get a fish drunk. Now, first, I don't know why you'd want to get a fish drunk. And I don't know how you'd get a fish drunk outside just letting his fishbow be in some type of alcohol. It is illegal for more than five women to live in a house. I can understand that concept, but, no, I'm just kidding with you. (laughs) My brother would be in trouble. He had four girls and his wife, so... I guess that hits the max. But anyway, um, in Ohio, it's illegal to kill a housefly within 160 feet of a church without a license. Okay? So, some of these laws, they've made them just for certain cities. So, in Cleveland, Ohio, it's illegal to catch mice without a hunting license. I don't quite understand that one, but anyway... In Columbus, Ohio, it's illegal. I do not understand this one. I need to search and figure it out. It is illegal to sell cornflakes on Sunday. I don't know. In Toledo, it's illegal to throw a snake at anybody. I like that law. I'm okay with that. Now, let me give you some Kentucky laws. All right? In case you didn't know, you do have to shower it is the law, okay? So, you think that everybody do that, but Kentucky has actually got a law that requires you to shire. But the thing is that they've got a law that says they want to make sure that all of its citizens are bathing at least once a year. So if you don't take your yearly bath, you're going to be breaking the law in Kentucky, all right? What about this one? If you're looking to sell ducks that you have dyed a different color, you got to make sure that you sell at least six of them, or you will be fined for five hundred dollars in Kentucky. Hey, it, it, you look it up; it's there. All right. I, I really like this one. We probably realize this. It's illegal to hunt an animal from a moving vehicle in Kentucky, unless it's a whale. I'm kidding you, not okay. So, if you're running down the road and you see a whale running around free, and you're in your vehicle and you have your gun, you can shoot it, okay? Because there, for some reason, they just put a specific uh, an exception in the law that you can't kill animals from your vehicle unless it's a whale. <laughs> you get in trouble with that one, okay? In Kentucky, I'm okay with this law, but it's a little bit different, I guess. But in Kentucky, no snakes or reptiles are to be involved in any religious ceremonies. I think in Kentucky we can probably figure that out. But in uh, 1942, according to the law KRS 43.06, it was created, and it threatens a fine of $50 to $100, which then was a lot of money if you're caught using any reptiles. I'm okay with that. That's fine. I'm sorry, Eastern Kentucky All right, but you can't throw tomatoes. So bad as you may hate my preaching or whatever, throwing tomatoes and throwing rotten eggs is a crime in Kentucky. If you're going to throw them at a public speaker, so no matter how bad my preaching or somebody else's may get, you cannot be throwing rotten tomato or rotten uh, eggs or tomatoes because back in 1800s they banned all of that and. with a list of throwable things that you throw at, at public speakers. So it can get you up to a year in jail. So if, if you don't like my preaching, just blast me on Facebook. Just don't use, don't use no uh, tomatoes. I like this one pretty good. Women in Owensboro, if they find a particular hat that they find, they have to get their husband say-so before they can make the purchase. So, ladies, if you live in Owensboro, you've got to go somewhere else to buy your hat unless you want your husband to approve of it. (laughs) Now, these are kind of crazy. I understand that. But no doubt, people just picking out what they want. If you probably went and looked at its context, I'm sure it's got some real context in there that for some reason they made these crazy laws. Uh, But they're... The Ten Commandments—they're not like that, and we may look at them. We may think some of them is kind of crazy. I mean, we even look at—it's—it's um, it's like I was talking to Sister Cheryl about it, and I can—I could can say to you, keep the Sabbath, and majority of everyone sitting in this building today, we would think, okay, I know what that is. Let's make sure we go to Sunday, Sunday service or whatever. But in reality, that's not exactly what the Sabbath is, and we'll—we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that. A lot of times we have these preconceived ideals of what we think everything is. But all these Ten Commandments, God gave them, every one for a particular reason, and not just for maybe what looks like it's based. Okay, let's go to church every Sunday. Uh, it all has its place. And for us to 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 uh, not use one and leave one out, it actually cheapens the rest of the commandments. They're, these commandments are designed to absolutely coincide with each other to blend with each other and make each other better to make us better people with four, four other people and also better to serve in God and we look at this in almost fifteen years, 1500 years after God gave these 10 words James wrote in James two ten through through 10 verse 10 11 he said for whosoever's keep the whole law and yet um Mess up in another one. You're guilty of all of it. He, he said, and you know, the one who said, don't commit adultery, also said, don't murder. But if you commit adultery, you're almost like a murderer anyway. Yeah, this is what James said in James 2 10 11. You're transgressor of the whole law. He made them in such a way that If you are a murderer, you're probably going to be an adulterer too. Or you have that same thing inside of you. If you're stealing, well, it's also a good chance you could commit adultery. And the Ten Commandments, they are the foundation of our faith. They give stability to our relationship with God. It gives us the right structure in our relationship with each other. And God himself built this foundation when he chiseled this into stone so that it would be very strong. And he gave it to Moses to give to Israel, to give to us. So it would be a sure foundation, something that we can stand on forever. This foundation, it will stand. We can trust the foundation of the Ten Commandments. So when we start seeing them pull down the Ten Commandments and saying they're not important... This is part of what our nation has been so great. I know we're in America, so let me talk about America. That's one reason America is so great. It was built on these Ten Commandments. Because they was built way back during Moses' time to last forever. Through any generation, it is the Ten Commandments. And that's kind of a little bit of an introduction there, but I want to finish the rest of this today by talking about talking about this first commandment. This very first commandment. And you can sum this first commandment up with one word. And this is what I'm going to do all the way through this. Uh, and this is what L.J. Harry does in this book. Uh, this is was in here earlier. So it's a very good book. Ten words. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it at Pentecostal Publishing House. You can get it on the Kindle and read it. Um, but he has... Several chapters in each chapter for whatever, like this one is the first commandment, and he sums it up with one word, and it is worship. All the stuff on this, here it is. And it's worship. This this is the bottom line of the very first commandment. Now, every one of us, can you remember when your baby said its first words? Um, how many times did you hear somebody say? Well, you got a baby. Has it says his first word yet? Corbin's first words, the best that we can put together was dada. Daddy. Dada. But now mama is what he says more than anything else. <laughs> I'm always trying to get him to say papa. But I ain't had no luck yet. I was like, come on, say papa. It's not working. I'm sure he will sooner or later. But first words matter. We see the importance of it. To be honest with you, I don't remember what my two children said first at this moment. That's been a long time ago. I've slept a lot since then. But at that moment, it, it really matters, the first words. And God spoke these ten words to Moses when he done this on the mountain. The Ten Commandments, this, this foundation. What, you, you, you think, what would be his first words? They'd been wandering through the wilderness... They're tired, they're hungry, they're frustrated, all this kind of stuff. Okay. Let's say let's have a word for Charles real quick. His fever's up. Um, so let's pray for him right now. We know, we know God's a healer, okay? So let's just pray. And not just for him, but let's pray for this family also. Lord, we're asking you to touch Charles right now in your precious name, God. We know you're a healer. And God, we know you're able to touch him, Lord. We speak healing into his body, God, right now. God, I'm asking you to touch him in Jesus' name, God. Bring this fever down in the name of Jesus, Lord. Touch his breathing, God, that he could begin to breathe better right now, God. Lord, we just ask you to touch him, Lord. Touch Sister Michelle, Brother Clark. Touch all of his family, Lord. God, I know this is, no doubt, has to be a very scary and frightening time for them. But, God, we know that you are a healer. And we know that you can touch him, Lord. And I speak healing into his body, Lord. Oh, God, I know that Lord, this world, this nation right now, God, is, is being reeled with this thing. And we know this is a plague, God. But, God, we're, we're asking, Lord, that you would forgive us, God, this country, Lord, this world. You'd forgive us, God, all of our sins that we are in, Lord. God, and I'm asking that you would help us, God. Lord Jesus, help us to turn to you, God. Turn from our wicked ways, God, that we can see the greatness, uh, your greatness work, God. And I just ask you to touch this young man. Touch Charles, God. Touch him in Jesus' name, God. You are a healer, Lord. Lord, you are a healer, God. And I trust you, God. And I know that you can touch him right now. Amen. In Jesus' name, God. Touch him, Lord. Touch him, Lord. Touch him, Lord. Amen. I know this is a trying time for our country and individually as as people. Sis, I know it's tough. We've been praying. Just keep your head up. Know that God's in the control. He knows what he's doing. That's all we can do is trust him in this. So we can trust him. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments, it it is the foundation of our faith. But again, if if God's first First words, they've been wandering in the wilderness, going through all these trying things. You wonder, okay, what maybe God's first word would be, hey, here's water. Here here's the here's the food. But no. That was not his first words to them. We find it in Exodus 20 and 3. God spoke the first word. He said, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Brother L.J. Harry says in his book, he said, Before God told Moses what to do and what not to do. He reminded them of who He is and what He's done. And this is the basis of what the very first uh, commandment that we see. God said, Exodus 20 and 2, He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You see, God had turned um, the water into blood. He had done all these different things. And He He changed Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. Just as it seems that our leadership is being hardened right now. But this didn't happen. Moses didn't do this. God done it. And the grace of God was the only reason Moses and all those children of Israel were able to get free. Without God, they would still have been building bricks with the hay, with the taskmasters over the top of them, with their whip in their hand. Yelling and screaming, expecting them to to do what they wanted them to do, but no, God set them free. And, and in case they thought Moses or themselves had done what done this, God reminded them that hey, I brought you out of Egypt. He did just he didn't just not tell his people do what I say or else. No, he didn't do that. He revealed himself to them. He revealed His name Yahweh or Jehovah to them. And God, He he, he is, he is who He is by Himself. He don't need our help. But He loves to be in relationship with us. Just because He loves us. Somebody say, God loves me. He spoke to them with the authority of the God who created them and with also all the affection and love that a father should have for his child and God didn't want them just to obey him just because they were afraid he wanted them to obey him because they were thankful that God created them they were thankful that God brought them out of the place where they were and we should obey God and we should obey the word of God But Sister Janet, not because we're afraid He'll do something to us if we don't. That should never be our motive to to obey God and to, to serve God. We should obey Him because we're thankful. We're thankful for who He is and for everything that He's done. And that truthfully is all worship is really all about. You can't worship something that you're made to worship. Worship is about being so thankful that that, uh, that, that thing is in your life. And, and maybe, no doubt, God's delivered some from drugs, some from alcohol in this, in this room or, or, or people that you know. And He's fixed our marriages. He's, he's healed us. And, and He's... Um, all, all these other things. And more than anything, He saved us. He's given us peace in joy, in times of sorrow, and in times when life is just crazy, okay? Now, y'all might not ever deal with it, but sometimes I just deal with crazy in my life. And I just need God. And He's been there. He showed up for me. And God has protected us when we were in danger. I can, every one of us, we can count the numerous times that God, His hand was just there for us. He took care of us. Amen. And He's forgiven us of our our past, a place that we want to leave in the past. He forgave us of that. And not only did He forgive us of our past, but Brother David, He gave us hope. And He gave us a better future. As 1 Peter 2 and 9 said, He brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And every one of us here today, we could testify... Until this time next year, just remembering the blessing that God has given us and the grace that He has shown us, and we couldn't say it all. And we should not live for God only out of duty, only out of because, this is just what my family has done. They've always been in church. And if we find ourselves there, then we need to get a notebook. We just begin to write down all the blessings that God has given us. Jacob was up here, I think, Thursday night talking about being thankful and everything. It made me think of a story that I heard a pastor say one time that this lady come to church and said, Pastor, I'm fixing to leave the church. I'm done with God. I'm not living for God no more. And he said, well, I don't understand. How come? And she gave a few reasons. He said, okay, before you go, I want you to sit down here and begin to name me all the good things God has done for you. said so she sat there and began to name off all these things and it turned into a few minutes, several minutes until it was 15-20 minutes of her just telling things. She said, you know pastor God's been too good to me. I can't leave him. And that that's how we need what we need to understand. God's been good to us. And he was good to Israel. He delivered, delivered him out of Egypt. And he delivered us out of sin. And no other gods could set Israel free. And there's no other God could set us free. And When you look at the Egyptians, they served over 2,000 gods. Over 2,000 gods. Nearly everything in Egypt was a god to them. All right? So, let me name a few that Brother L.J. Harry talks about in his book. He said there was one god to protect pregnant women, there was a god to protect the king in battle, a god that brought floods every year. One goddess helped needy people. Another swallowed the sun, God, at dusk every day and gave birth to him at dawn every day, every morning. Another kept the sky and earth separated so they would never meet. They worshipped crocodiles, birds, snakes, turtles, frogs, dogs, cats. There's no way I could worship that cat of mine. I usually want to throw her off the deck. But I won't do that. And I know some of y'all love y'all's animals, dogs, cats, whatever it is, but (laughs) I don't think you're going out there and bowing down to whatever, right? Every day, the children of Israel were surrounded by people who worshipped thousands of gods. Every day, they heard all these Egyptians pray to their thousands of gods and counting on them gods to keep them safe. They put all their hopes in all these gods, but finally God had had it with how they were treating the children of Israel, how they were mistreating them, and they began to cry out. And God sent Moses to be the deliverer. And and finally God said, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm going to show you what a God is. He let them know, you're about to meet the one true and living God. Matter of fact, Pharaoh, when Moses went before Pharaoh and he... He gave Pharaoh God's demands. Pharaoh's like, who is this God? And God said, I'm glad you asked. Let me introduce myself to you. Then after Pharaoh refused, God began to rain all these plagues on Egypt. And if you go and look at these ten plagues, each of these ten plagues were a direct attack on all of Egypt's gods. All their 2,000 plus gods could do nothing by themselves or together to save or to stop God from setting the children of Israel free. And the children of Israel, now then thankful, these days were behind them. Egypt was behind them. Now they're at Mount Sinai. All them taskmasters, all them Egyptian gods that could not do anything. And they still remembered all those days and all those prayers to all them gods. And God wanted Israel to know, no matter what you hear or what you saw over the last 430 years while you were in captivity, while you were slaves, he said, I want you to know, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He said, and you shall have no other gods before me because I'm your God. I'm the one who' done that for you. the new living translation puts it this way: you must not have any other God before me. The new international version says you shall have no other gods before me. God could say that because there is no other God beside him before him above him like him he is God and he is God alone right now we think since we don't worship cats and crocodiles and dogs and the sun and all this stuff. We could think, you know, well, we just, let's just skip this one faster. Let's go to the next, next one. No. Because we so many times fall into that same trap that the Egyptians did in worshiping other gods. We just have other gods than they had. Um, We're not going to worship. I'm not going to worship my cat, Savannah, I promise you, all right? And you're probably not going to worship your dog. You're probably not going to go outside and begin to worship the sun or the moon or the stars or whatever it may be. But I have seen good godly parents take their kids to baseball, basketball, band, volleyball, soccer, all kinds of school events. And I know we mean well when we do this, and we want our kids to be active, we want our kids to be involved. I want them to be too. But in my 15 years of pastoring, I have seen sometimes, many times, and unfortunately most times, those kids that were active in those things allow those things to become more important than Jesus. And this is what the very first commandment is really all about, is worship. Because honestly, it's not just about those. We we, we make God, we must make God and church number one because this is what this commandment is really all about and if, if as a parent or adult we must make God and church number one because if we can't get this one the other nine will never be right this has to be number one we've got to tell ourselves. we've got to tell our kids we've got to, we've got to tell others that if, if we have church I'm going to church and I know this is a generation where it's so different with this. But why? Because we love God and want Him to be first in our life. Because here's what happens. The very first time we allow something else. Oh, it may be real. It may be important. And at that moment, it may seem so very important. But the first time, it may be difficult, you know, to tell your coach friends, your family, and sometimes even your job when it begins to take you away from from uh, more church, saying, I- I'm sorry, I-, I just can't be there because we attend church regularly. But if you don't, it becomes easier to allow yourself to miss church. I have had parents, and unfortunately, them or their kids are not here now, that said, look, it's just it's just football. That's a big thing here in Crittenden County as much as anything is football. I know they play basketball. It seems like they think football is greater than... And I don't know, you know. But football is the thing they hang on. And I I, I remember particularly some of these parents. Like, they were doing great, man. Their kids is doing good. We're going to enroll them in football. And then the next thing I know, it's like, well, they have practice this, this, and they switch practice. The next thing you know, they're missing church on Thursday. Then the next thing you know... Because they didn't draw a line somewhere and say, "Yeah, I can do it, but I can't, I can't miss church to go to this and go to that." And the next thing I know, they was missing not only midweek but they's missing Sunday. And today, they're not here. Because we would never say it with our words, but our actions, if we're not careful, would say some things are more important than our relationship with God. And this is what this very first commandment is really all about. And if, and if our children make the team but miss heaven, they lose. No matter how many championships they win in their life. And we've got to make sure that we teach to the next generation with our words and our actions. That our God is God. And we will have no other gods before Him. And I, I, I've seen good, godly men and women sign up for more over time. And come to fewer church services, fewer church events. Yeah, we wake up earlier, we go to sleep later just to make more money. And in the busyness of business, we abandon our time with God for overtime and work. And we end up lost. I've been in church all my life and I've seen this so much. And unfortunately, I have been one of those who's done that thing. I want to read some stuff directly from Brother Harry's... L.J. Harry's book when he says this. Uh, I can't say it any better than him. He's an incredible storyteller. But he says this. These few eternal words of the first word ring in my ears. You shall have no other gods before me. This was good for Moses. This is good for us. God's not concerned or start worshiping bullfrogs or bulldogs. But He knows. He created us. Remember? He knows if we're not careful to worship Him first and worship Him alone, we'll start worshiping money, position, power, pleasure, entertainment. And the pursuit of anything before or beside God becomes a God to us. To every working man and woman, every working young man and young woman, let's be careful that our jobs and money we make and the money we make from them do not become a God to us. We have to work. If we don't, we don't eat. I love to eat. There are shift workers who have to work during church and bosses call mandatory overtime from time to time on Sundays. God knows that. But if we're not working more in this life just to have more, nicer, newer, larger, faster, then it's possible money and materialism have become a God to us. Israel did well for a while after these commandments was given to them. But if we look ahead through the wilderness, all the wanderings, We see something very key. We see Israel wanted to be like their new neighbors. They wanted to be like um, those around them. So they started marrying some of their new neighbors. But their new neighbors didn't worship the God they worshiped. It took a while before they stopped worshiping God, but they began to worship other gods. Even though they didn't stop worshiping the one true God, their relationship with each other, and with God, eventually fell apart. So God knew this when they come out of there. So the first thing he wanted to establish was, I'm number one. And these next nine commandments should build on this first commandment. And the children of Israel, they forgot these few foundational words of God's first word. You shall have no other God's before me, it is so easy to forget. Yesterday, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of the 9/11 attacks. I'll never forget the Tuesday where I was, and no doubt you don't forgot. You haven't forgotten either. I probably could ask each and every one of us here today, and you could tell me exactly where you are, exactly what was going on when you heard the first plane hit the tires. The Sunday after and weeks ahead, uh, after that, for a little while, this nation was steered. Steered with being very patriotic, being very religious. There's many, there were many pastors that had to open their doors every day to continue baptizing the people they were baptizing because everybody was steered at what was happening. But then people began to forget about what happened. And today, our nation is in a mess. And no doubt, if you've been on social media or probably even driving around, you've seen this slogan over and over and over. I still remember. How many times have you seen that? The truth of the matter is, true memory shows up in what we do with what we remember. And we must make sure we continue to worship the one true God, Jesus. Because if we'd kept that trend back in... 2001. We'd be a different nation today. But we have forgotten. Just as Israel forgot who was number one. Our nation has forgot. Our churches has forgot. And I'm asking that God don't let me ever forget who is God and who is not. The song they sing, my brother and him singing a lot, He is God And I am not. And that's the truth today. And this next generation—they need to remember. And how are they going to remember it? We can't forget it. You know, we're so easy. We say these kids nowadays—it's not their fault. It's them parents and adults that forgot. It's them parents and adults that forgot. We only see it in three generations when they lose it. Moses to Joshua. Then after Joshua, he said there came a generation that knew not God. And the way that happens is when we forget who God is. And we quit loving what God loves. And quit doing what God... Uh, actually, that's just for the it right there, though. We just quit loving what God loves. So... This is the introduction, the first first one of these. Um, there's a lot of interesting things in this book that I will share with us. But I've, I've preached and I've taught the Ten Commandments before, but he's just got such a different approach to it to make us think about some things different. And we got to get this number one right. we got to learn how to worship. Amen. Lord, I'm asking you would help us. Let us not ever forget whatever we got to do, Lord. Lord, you gave us the example of how not to forget. You etched it in stone. You put it in something, God, that would not be easily forgotten. And Even though, even though Moses broke those stones at the bottom of the hill, Lord, God, you had Moses to, to hew out another set of stones that you could write it on there once again. God, that gives us hope for a lot of reasons today. It lets us know that once we do forget these commandments, we break them, Lord, that God, if we're willing to go back and do the work again, you'll write it back into our hearts. And God, I'm asking today, Lord, as we we start this journey on, on what this is all about, God, that we cannot forget, that we can etch it into our hearts, God. We can etch it everywhere in our lives, God. We can make sure that we know that who you are, what you are, and God what you have called us to do and that is to love you lord we love you and we thank you so much god you're such a great god we give you praise and glory in jesus name amen we'll take a break and um